Hey, y'all, it's Noxie. Thanks for listening to the Detailed Solutions Podcast. And now, a little bit more about one of our sponsors. Alex, have you heard about the pain assassins on Facebook? No, Noxie, what's that? I'm glad you asked, you wrinkled little booby. Pain Assassins was started by a dude named Jason Bruno to where detailers can find the camaraderie that they're looking for without any of the negative trolling bullshit like other Facebook groups. Not only that, but they can compete with their work weekly, monthly, or yearly to win prizes. Oh, dude, and they make sick merchandise, so you always have fresh gear to wear. Whoa. <sighs> anyway, y'all want to check it out? Again, it's Pain Assassins on Facebook or Instagram. Check it out. Welcome to the Detail Solutions Podcast. My name is Alex and I will be your host. I'm excited because tonight I've got somebody who uh, maybe will ruffle some feathers, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> but uh, John Purdue, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Good, man. Yeah. So listen, man, um, you know, for everybody that doesn't maybe know who you are, um, let everybody know who, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? Uh, Simple enough. Uh, I'm John Purdue, guys, uh, part owner of TLC. TLC, I'm just a minority partner. Dave Miller uh, started and founded that. Um, I'm also the owner of Modesta North America and Ento North America. Um, so I run all the distribution, sales, training, product inventory, everything for uh, Modesta Coatings and Ento Product Line. Nice. And then um, how did, when and where, how did you get started in detailing? <laughs> oh man so my first job I actually worked as a coffee barista um 15 and 16 and you know how it is when we're all kids we love cars so everybody at the coffee shop saw like cars and like hey you should detail my car stuff like that man and um this is about the time I think it was track auto got bought out by advanced auto part okay and uh one of my buddies worked there and he was basically being laid off and he's like hey just come in and just take a shopping cart take all the crap you want Nice. So uh, this was like 2001, 2002, maybe, and went through and just grabbed all the car cleaning shit, obviously, right? This is like when McGuire's had like their shitty three-stage polished crystal system, whatever it was. Right. And, and, and I got into detailing cars a little bit. I had some people at the coffee shop that wanted me to, you know, clean their cars. And, you know, more or less half the time it was like you did a shitty job or you left this on the car. And, you know, I realized I sucked at this. Right. Um. So I always kind of had a, a niche for it where I started to practice, uh, grabbed a rotary. Um, I had an old Nikita back in the day. That thing was, uh, let's just say I wasn't that great at it back then. Um, and I just kind of jumped into it part-time here and there. I did uh, real estate and um, I was a service manager for a couple automotive companies for better part of maybe like seven or eight years. And you know how it is. I, I think it's the story for most people where they were just kind of like, nah, fuck it put my hands up. I'm over this. I'm going to start a business, which yeah. uh, was probably one of the dumbest mistakes I've ever made. <laughs> um, so I worked out of my home garage for years. 
I did decent. And then it was finally uh, time to get a shop. And I went into business with somebody, uh, regrettably, um, story of my life also. And we opened up a shop uh, 2013, 2014, something around there. And, uh, you know, just kind of cranked at it. But I was into paint corrections, coatings, all that BS stuff, you right. know, a good five or six years before. Um, I think that was about the time the guys of our generation were getting into shops and things like that. So uh, just kind of started building my name organically in our area and it worked out pretty well. Um, and then sometime in 2015, I decided actually to leave that business. I wasn't happy. I felt it was toxic. Uh, put it this way. And I'm sure if he ever hears this, I don't give a shit. I fucking hated that dude. He was a low life piece of shit. Didn't want to deal with him. Um, so I was like, I'm out of it. And uh, I knew Dave Miller at TLC. He was actually a decent acquaintance then. We right. went out to lunch and I was like, hey, so I'm leaving this business. Either A, I'm doing something or let's, you know, figure something out, which we did. Um, shortly after that, um, I became good friends with Michael Fisco and Tomo, the owners and founders of Modessa. And uh, some shit hit the fan with the ex distributor. Um, not the good one down in Orlando by you, Brian Guy. Yeah, but the guy that inadvertently screwed him over and um, they offered me distribution nice. and my whole thing was like, yeah, I'm not going to answer this over a phone call. So it's like, you know, I'd rather discuss it in person. So a few days later, I was on a plane to Europe, uh, flew into Vienna, ended up in Bratislava, um, which is if you've ever watched the movie Euro Trip, it is every <laughs> bit of how it is in that place. It's it's culture shock to say the way. And, and yeah, that's coming from somebody that's multicultural background, you know? Right, right. Um, so took over distribution of Modesta there and slowly just been organically grown it with some solid guys. And um, nice. that's really kind of where it's at now. Um, along so how, the did, how did you, how did you first like meet with, you know, get, get in contact with the owners of Modesta for them to, to come to you about distribution? Uh, I actually didn't. So, I found out about Modessa in late 2012, early 2013, I think it was. Okay. And it was with my ex-business partner and we got into the coatings right then and there. And at the time I was using, I think 22 PLE. Uh, I think that was about the time C-Courts UK dropped. I couldn't get C-Courts. Um, and I was doing OptiCoat Pro, um, which <laughs> point blank was just a garbage product. They changed something that denied they changed it. You know, they gave everybody the runaround. We ended up redoing a bunch of cars and I was pissed off and I was doing Modessa just kind of intermittently there, like one every month or two months. And, you know, I, I started to really like the product. Um, I started to believe in it. There wasn't any BS behind it and there wasn't this whole like, oh, it's user error or this. And, you know, at that time I'd say I was a little bit more uneducated in the industry of how products were manufactured and all that BS. Right. Um, so the old distributor actually offered to if we wanted to host the event at our shop in Northern Virginia, DC. So I decided to do that. And um, we hosted the event. That was like kind of my coming out of the shell meeting everybody. I, I always just kept to myself in my little hole, didn't care for the industry. I have lurked around on auto geek and other places for, you know, over a decade, but I just didn't really ever network. So that event kind of forced me to meet a lot of people and get to know people. Um, and I got to know Michael very well. One reason, because both of us are idiots and we both smoke cigarettes. Okay. So we'd find ourselves outside of the hotel smoking cigarettes every night and talking about business, actually. Um, right. So I think there was some interest in it. And we just built a really good friendship. 
And when there were some issues going on with the current uh, supply of products, the distributor, he approached me and point blank asked if I wanted to run distribution. Okay. The weird part of the whole story is I, I said it years ago to somebody else. I was like, man, one day I'd love to be part of this company because I believe in the values of what they do. They have no bullshit behind them. They actually have a chemical engineer developing the products who founded the company. So um, that's a little bit more of a detailed background of how I got into nice. Modessa itself. And as it's progressed, I've educated myself more, right? Not to a college level, but I end up trying to find myself in a rabbit hole once a week, just reading about chemical and chemical engineering BS. I can comprehend maybe like 20% of it now. Right. Um, I can't even read half the fucking words, to be honest. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like pronouncing. I'm like, I don't know what it means. Um, but, right. You know, the good part is I have Tomo and Michael who helped me very much understand a lot of the stuff. They've cited me different articles from different universities, other links that are not involved in our industry about the information in the product. So I, I try to educate myself as best as I can because I believe it's an important piece in our industry. So, oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's the one thing you know, from our, our conversations that we've had and, and, you know, led me to, you know, ask you about coming on the podcast is you definitely know what you're talking about. And when I talk to other people, you know, I can kind of tell, I mean, even, even myself, I mean, I'm not as, as smart about it, but I can tell when somebody's regurgitating whatever the distributor told them that the, that the brand told the distributor kind of deal, because, I do it. I've been there, you know, whatever. And, and, but at the end of the day, we've all been guilty of it. Right. And right. Right. There's what we were talking about earlier last month. And um, even before we started the podcast is there's a lot of people in this industry that hate me right now Yeah. because I'm very blunt. I don't hide anything. I'll say it as it is. Detailers, you want the wow, right? When that customer comes outside, they're looking at the car and they go, wow. What did you use on my ride? It looks amazing. <laughs> you want that, but it's so hard to fight through all the marketing crap in the market today. You got companies that are hitting cars or lighting them on fire. Others come out with sprays and they go, ooh, look, it fizzles. <laughs> so listen to what Alex says and therefore go check out HyperClean. The hot new snow foam that HyperClean has we have put out the highest lubricity soap on the market so that it will create less marring for you and more opportunities for wow. Follow it up with HyperClean Slick, which is the perfect silica spray, creating a streak-free wow. All right, now go save 15% with the code DETAIL15. Do it today and get more wows with hyperclean the issue is everything we learn in this industry everybody you know when it comes to abrasive abrasives polishes machines i get it rubis teaches it they teach it the right way jason kilmer he's brilliant at what he does aaron knox those guys have spent so much time understanding things not of what the industry told them but what they learned about the science of these right. things right yeah that's what made them the best at their game and that's what made you know, Jason Rose, uh, Kilmer, Steve at Shine Doctor, Aaron. That's why those guys are so looked up to as far as their ability and these skills is because they're armed with an immense amount of actual knowledge of this stuff, not just the fact they can do it. Right. 
the coding industry, in my opinion, is still in its premise. It's just a joke. You have all these stupid companies and you know, half of them don't make their products, but then they regurgitate information. Then it goes from one detail to the other. It's like, if I were to tell you something and then you tell five other people and it goes in line, by the time it gets to that last person, right. the information's so skewed and bits and pieces are missing or it all started as BS in the first place. Right. It's like that, it's like that game, was the game telephone call where you whisper yeah, something that, that's, in somebody's yeah, that's, ear and then they that's whisper how stupid the next I am. That, That's yeah. the analogy I was looking for. Yeah. But yeah. That's the problem with our industries. No, nobody wants to take the time to actually educate themselves properly. I'm like, yet yeah, we educate like the automotive repair industry. They yeah. educate themselves, understand why this die, you know, when they pull an engine code, well, just because it says a misfire, it could be 20 different things. Right. The technicians educate themselves to understand, well, is it the fuel or is it the ignition? You know, different things like that. Our industry just regurgitates a bunch of stupid things because this will probably cause me more hate than anything. <laughs> You've met a lot of people in our industry. There are some very smart people and great people. Yes. There is also an overwhelming amount of idiots. Yes. Right. I, I got, I, I had a, a guy basically call me and Modessa installers or guys that are willing to educate it. Modessa nut huggers. I kind of <laughs> laughed and chuckled at it. And you know, he thinks I'm being an asshole. Um, but no, these were guys, in my opinion, that are just well-educated and they defend themselves very well because they care about the proper information and the education of it, right? right. So many people have taken classes to understand, well, how do you lay PPF? What's the limited PPF? What can it can't do? You learn this about paint corrections. What does the difference of a rotary, a DA, a force rotation, your different type of pads, your polish combinations, how they work, your heat cycles, uh, the substrates of the paint. Everybody puts so much effort into this then when it comes to the coding stuff, nobody gives a shit, right? Yeah. And it, it's mind-blowing to me. It's like, you know, it reminds me of that idiot customer that comes into your business and they start petting their paint. Like, oh, it feels so slick. It's so smooth. I'm like, fucking stop touching your car. You're stupid. Why are you petting your paint? <laughs> oh, well, it's slick. No, that, that's a byproduct of the solvents in your fucking wax. Like, right. Carnuba, wax is not slick and oily by nature. It, it's kind of sticky and gummy, you know? Yeah. Uh, silica dioxide is the same thing, you know, it's like it, the industry just has so many quirks that I think are incorrect. And when you actually read about like science journals that state the difference between hydrophilic hydrophobics, it, it's just, it, it's kind of sad where our industry sits currently. Right. Well, and that's kind of the, the thing too. I mean, I, you know, I try to educate myself as best as I can when I, when I see articles like that, but just like what you said, like right, hydrophobic and hydrophilic, most detailers don't really know the difference um, between that. Well, um, and the basic question, and I'm not going to put you under the bus, right? This is one of the most basic things. Don't look it at your phone. See if you can answer it. It's something in trainings. I ask people a basic of what we should understand. If we, we always talk about hydrophobic hydrophobics of, you know, your water behavior. Right. Do you know what the contact angle it starts at and where it falls to hydrophilic? No. So I know hydrophilic is, is what the, like over the hundred percent angle or something like that. I think 110%. So 90 at 90, 90 plus is when it becomes hydrophobic. 90 below becomes hydrophilic. Uh, hydrophilic. Okay. I always, yeah, then I always you, then get, you get into the matched. extremes. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people do, but you, you under, you were actually pretty close to most people. Most people are like, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. 
Um, I only you know, know that because I because I read an article like maybe a month ago that was explaining the difference between hydrophobic and hydrophilic, well, and I know and I know that it was like that that hundred like in that hundred percent range. But this um, is where my respect comes to you, right? What did you do exactly? What you know we were talking about? You went and read some stuff online to educate yourself, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, if you look at if you were to Google hydrophobic versus hydrophilic. You can go through some actual scientific websites or like, uh, let's say one like MIT or any other stuff. They have like articles cited from different professors or Cambridge University, um, Oxford. There's a lot of articles cited by these places that you can research this. Are you going to absorb all the information? No. But what is a typical detailer, you know, or shitty business person doing in our industry? Oh, well, they go to a coding's website and it says this. Right. And well, because, because that's kind of the thing, right? Like as detailers, we don't look at it as these coatings come from something completely different, right? Like the coatings didn't come from automotive. They came from something completely different. And, and so as detailers, I feel that like, that's where we want to look, right? Like we want to look at detailing coatings and then of course it's just going to put us on well but but the funny thing is most people like you know in our industry things have merged in the last couple years where you have the paint protection industry like paint protection film merging with the coatings and detailing i i actually don't like being involved in the detailing aspect of the industry i like the idea of the paint protection industry almost um you know we'll touch base on that one reason why i hate the ida but um (laughs) i'm just going to throw that jab out there um but um you know, a lot of guys that are into paint protection film, they know where paint protection film started from. It was applied to helicopter blades in Vietnam to protect it during, you know, uh, landing and takeoff in the jungle areas. Right. A lot of guys actually understood that information. Yet when you go to the coding stuff, nobody knows where it starts from. Right now, there's a lot of information that's coming to light about it because of what's happening in the auto manufacturing industry with a shortage of chips. Right, microprocessors or chips are on a national shortage. A lot of it has to do with the coatings on those. Those have to be applied in a class A clean room. Those uh, those yeah. chips are hard to produce. Silica dioxide is one of the shortages right now. Right, right. And it takes. And, I, I just read something about that. I think it take. I think they said it takes something like two or three weeks just to make one chip. I yeah, it, different facilities. I, I didn't yeah. read to those specifics, but. I was reading about the, the class A clean room where they have these pipes that feed into the room so they can apply it to the chips where like a normal style, I don't even know what type of clean room it is, gets like, and, and nobody quote me on this, but it's like 10,000 dust particles in right. that room versus this class A clean room is like 10. Yeah. Um, but that shortage, silica dioxide is becoming a sh- uh, one of the issues behind this shortage and the car manufacturing, which I'm crossing my fingers and impact certain coatings company eventually just puts a nail on the coffin for some idiots, um, you know, <clears throat> BNB and such and other companies. But um, either way, um, you know, the funny part is a lot of people are understanding that we see this shortage of new car manufacturing and we see the used yeah. car prices going up, which is great for detailers and restoring old paints. Nobody wants a paint corrected car for 50 hours anymore, though. Right. Um, but nobody's seeing through it yet of well, that's the origin of our coating is what we're using on the surfaces of these paints. So most guys can't ever establish that information or even trace the information or spend the time to do it. Um, you know, it's, 
I don't know. It's, it's a problem with this younger generation. I hate to say that. I don't really care to kind of like classify generations and stuff right. like that, but nobody wants to do their due diligence basically. Well, and, and that's, so that's one of the things that I've kind of <clears throat> noticed now. Cause I, cause like I'm older, but I consider myself part of the new generation because I've only been in this style of detailing now for about six or seven years. You know, I mean, most of my experiences is, is in the car wash for many, many years. Um, but, you know, going with the podcast now and talking to guys, you know, like Dave Romani, Todd Helm, Eddie Fuza, um, you know, all these guys that have been, you know, Brian Guy, like, you know, since way back, you know, before there were coatings and everything. And, and that is the one thing that I've noticed is those guys have such a wealth of knowledge because back in the beginning, they only had each other to kind of feed off of. And yep. now there's so much kind of information out there that, you know, this, this new generation and I'm a part of it, like we can kind of be stupid about it because it's, you know, kind of right at your fingertips. And, and again, well, but, and the, the difference is I bet you spent a lot of time educating yourself when you ran across a problem that was happening on a car, you put your head down and figured it out. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I like about this is I like that. It's a challenge. I like that if I can't, you know, like, but, if that, it but that, but that's part of not just think. being a detailer. That's right. part of being a business owner. Right. Right. And I, I, I literally removed myself out of so many groups in the course of the last four to five years. Because every single group became all these idiots that, you know, hey, I have this problem. What do I do? Oh, th this is happening. What do I do? Yeah. Are, are you guys not able to problem solve and figure out? I'm like, if you can't problem solve, you shouldn't be in business. Right. Because 99% of business is solving problems every day, creating exactly. a solution for your customer, dealing with these problems. You're creating a solution and solving a problem for a paint coming in your car, you know, on a car in your shop, stupid things like this. But this industry literally just has its hands out. And, you know, the problem is it's like the Wild West. So right now it's just a bunch of idiots um, sitting with their hands out like, hey, how do I do this? What do I do if this happens? Figure it out and learn it, man. There, right. You know, the other choice is you network properly and you build a good network of trustworthy people. Um, one of the biggest benefits I've had in this industry in the last four or five years is the amount of travel I've unfortunately had to do, you know. I've been to so many shops. I've seen so many operations. So I've been able to take bits and pieces out of everybody's business. And some of it might not apply to mine, might not work, but right. I've seen great success and failures on certain things. Hey there, podcasters. What if I told you that there was a product out there that would knock out multiple detailing products? Not only is it the ultimate time and money saver, but produces amazing results and is versatile on almost every substrate. It can also be used in your home or commercial businesses. Gen KO is an all-around multi-cleaner capable of removing light to moderate water spots, grease, and grime. It's safe on surfaces including windows, door jams, paint, mat, PPF and vinyl, rubber moldings, plastic trim, and ceramic coated surfaces. My name is Jennifer Turcott, and after 22 years in the detailing industry, I'm so proud to have a product that is helping my fellow detailers around the world and others. I've tested Gen KO for more than two years before the final ready-to-use product was produced. I'm beyond happy when people reach out and tell me how much the Gen KO helped them, and it can help you too. To get your own, 
you can contact me directly or go to www.igocodingsusa.com, contact your local IGL distributor or installer, and pick your bottle up today. And don't forget to share your experience on social media using the hashtag GenKOMix. Then I've also seen there's always like clicks in this industry. It's almost like going back to high school, right? Yeah, it definitely is. The problem is that information is being led by usually one person sitting in a high chair of that brand behind it, right? I'm probably the worst business person in the group of Modessa installers and stuff. There are some incredible business people in our group. I learned from them. Right. You know, but I think everybody collectively learns. You know, I rely on them when I run in situations, but I don't publicly go out somewhere, especially when the integrity of your business is there, and ask them just, I mean, some of the stupidest questions of like, hey, I have a jet black paint, it won't finish down. <laughs> You've got to be fucking kidding me. Somebody's asked that question. And I just stare at it like sometimes I'm like, you know, it's in like a detail buddies group. And no, it should just be in that detail for idiots group or whatever it is, or, you know, yeah. I, I don't even know what they call them anymore, but it's just this industry is kind of i hate to say it it's kind of a joke it's not even half of an industry in my opinion dude it's just uh organized chaos running 24 7 right now it, it is it is I, and i've said before i mean it, it it stinks that there's no way to somewhat regulate it kind of like how the automotive industry kind of does um, because then at By least the way, I really do love you for making that analogy and comparing it to that industry. Cause I've been saying that for yeah. probably a decade. <laughs> it, it is but it's, the only but it's way true. To... I mean, well, here's the thing, automotive industry, repair industries, whatever yeah. it might be in there. You don't have to have experience and you can go turn to buy a turnkey business and run it because all the information is there for you. Our right. industry, none of it exists. And you know, shit. Can I take some personal jabs right now? I mean, sure. Well, I'm going the, to. The, the views well, expressed by yeah. John Perdue do not yeah. <laughs> express. Well, but this is the problem with their industry, man. It's, um, you know, and I'm, I'm going to apologize to one person before I even say this, because I had a good conversation with the other day, and I really do like him. It's okay. Barry Thiel. Um, we were chatting about some stuff the other day, and, you know, I know he's a big advocate on the IDA, and I respect that. You know, right. the problem is, I've sat in on their meetings in Orlando at mobile tech years ago, and I've listened to some of the people that are the presidents of this organization and some of the stupid people that founded that organization and their agendas and the companies that are tied in with it. And this is going back five years ago. And they're just taking this all the wrong way, in my opinion. And the problem is that's what people look at in the globe right now is like, oh, this is who's going to lead and help grow our industry. Right. What the fuck has the IDA ever done? It's no difference than a shitty ASE certification, right? You go to an automotive repair shop where ASE is certified. Yeah. Nobody in the goddamn right mind consumer knows what an ASE certification is. Now, if you're a mechanic in the cars, maybe you do. If you're a detailer, you know what the IDA is. Yeah. It's the most <clears throat> wasted resource in this world. And there are some great people that are unfortunately involved in the IDA, in my opinion. But um, I just think it's a it's a joke. It's not creating a detailing industry. And I think it's actually, they don't teach business. They teach you how to skill validate stuff. Like seriously, the, these people's struggles aren't how to polish a car, vacuum a carpet or use an extractor. It's how to run their business. 
half these people didn't go to school. And it's not to say it in a bad way, because for fuck's sakes, I dropped out of high school. You know, I didn't finish it. An organization like this should be teaching you how to run a detailed business, how to run CRM softwares, how to do your accountings, right? You know, it's like the discussion people talk about in school, like what stuff have we learned in high school that's, you know, useful to these days. They should have been teaching you taxes, all this other crap. The detailing IDA should have been doing that. Maybe they'll steal my idea and do it, you know, but I still fucking hate them. Um, (laughs) But but that's the problem. It's like the skills validation. Let's be real. Paint corrections for the basics are not hard. When you get into advanced stuff like certain people, yes, there are some skills, there are some knowledge you have to gain. But polishing paint and cleaning interiors are not a hard skill set. Most coatings aren't even hard at that. They're just annoying and frustrating because the companies behind them suck and their products suck. Um, It's like taking, you know, old waxes back in the day. Some waxes came off beautifully. Some were just garbage. Um, It's no different in the coating industry. But they don't teach you anything. And and that's where I don't see a value out of the IDA. But then I also looked, you know, the other day, I actually don't know why I ended up on their website and just kind of looking at all their sponsors. And I'm like, well, this is why this organization's garbage. I'm like, you're just anybody that'll give you money to keep afloat. It seems like it's on there. And it's just like half the car. Like, I think one of them was Z Bart one year was one of them. And you know, that name from the car wash industry. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the car wash industry, Z Bart's fine. It's a hundred percent, whatever. Right. Yeah. That's a different consumer that you're going after. For what the IDA is supposed to be going after, really to put them as a, a sponsor and let them be a vendor to part of your organization, I'm like, this is a fucking joke. Like, well, somebody else told me that <clears throat> um, that most of you know, and, and again, don't quote me on it because I have not fact checked. Yeah. Um, but you know, most of the major sponsorship behind the IDA is car wash companies and again nothing oh wait no i i I, and i would 100 percent agree with that so yeah i think it was 2016 i went down there for um somehow don't ask me modest installers used to win id awards all the time um i'll take that to the grave with me but um (laughs) you know i i remember sitting down in the meeting and i i I don't remember who the guy was the president Actually, I do, but I'm not going to say his name because I don't know him and I don't want to bash somebody I don't personally know and I, whatever. But either way, at the beginning of the meeting, you know, he was talking about this and how like they need to start working with dealership programs. And at that time, a lot of our businesses were focused on fixing dealer fuck-ups, right? Right. This was before, I I would say about the 2017, 2018 timeframe, I would see this whole merger of the detailing, paint correction, coding, PPF and tin industry all became one cluster fuck. Prior to then, yes, it was detail coding. Some guys did PPF. You know, there were some guys already maybe ahead of the curve, but they're talking about like supporting dealerships and this stuff. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, yet you're sitting amongst a group of small business owners telling them this. Now, some of these guys live in some really shitty demographics, unfortunately, and that's where they get their work from, right? Right. They don't, you know, where I live in DC, it's a fucking bubble. If a recession happens, DC is fine, right? The only thing we ever have threatening my economy here is a looming government shutdown when I don't care who's in office, stupid Congress can't fucking make a budget, right? For right. everybody that works for the government, it's like, oh, I can't spend money for two weeks. Can we repost our 
you know, schedule for two weeks and come in, then yeah, sure. They're still going to spend the same money and we're just going to be busy, really right. busy for a couple of weeks. Um, but some guys have to fight for dealership work and to fix cars from dealerships. So why, why would an organization sit there and tell people that, you know, we need to work with dealerships and stuff like this? First off, we all know how working for some car dealerships, are. they burn you, they do a net 60, that means a net 20, they yeah. stiff you on your bills, uh, they try to lowball you, they don't value you a small business owner. And, and I was sitting there just kind of at the IDA meeting and everything they're talking about, and they were talking about like, I guess they had different tier sponsors, and I'm like, listen to these names, and I'm just sitting on my phone, I'm like, they have these fucking companies behind them? I'm like, and for me, right then and there, that was one reason I didn't want to be part of that organization, ever. Right. Somehow well, DLC got detail shop of the year. Did we wow. deserve it out of so many other great facilities? No, but it, it's kind of hysterical because I think we got it in 2018. We should have never been the detail shop of the year, but we were. <laughs> and um, it, it's it's just an irony because I fucking hate that organization with a passion. Right, right. Um, so well, it's you know, like you said, I mean, it, it, there there are there's some big car wash brands that that are are involved in it and again you know coming from the car wash there's nothing wrong with that i mean you know i i look at one of the biggest brands that i've ever had the the pleasure of working um you know having their their products on the car wash and and using them you know in the detail shops and everything is simonized but yet in the detailing yep. industry you mentioned simonize and it's like you know and it's like nobody everybody just wants to everybody just wants to say like oh but it's a shitty it's a shitty car wash brand but i think a lot of detailers don't understand that simonize started pretty much the detailing industry i mean they the simonize it's class. no different than if people were to say they hated mcguire's right now right right, right. it's I, I get it it's it's my the, whole the detailers is... are, are snobby you know they have they have their egos and 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 even what's you know taking simonize out of it it goes into the same thing with brands within the industry you know um where this brand's garbage that brand's garbage and it all just becomes and then it floats down to the to the coding market right like this this coding is this, this coding is that. And, and a lot of it, I think, is just <laughs> because people don't have the education on the products to, yeah. to know. But like what's I said, better. you know, in a normal business, so many efficient, good businesses I know in this industry, I don't want to say them by name, but they use the bulk chemicals from these right. places like yeah. Samana. You know, your, your all purpose degreasers, things like that, they work fine. Listen, you know, I, I've, said it on the, I've said it on the podcast, anything that I can buy, because my one of my good friends is a Simonized rep. So he has a warehouse in the same community that I have. So when I need tire dressing or a carpet brush or a degreaser or whatever, and I can't wait for somebody to ship it to me, I can walk down to his warehouse well, and just but, grab but it. But it's also, me. right? We used to buy stuff from this place, Automagic, right? They're yeah. all over the East Coast. Yeah. They do distribution for car stuff and detailing. They have, you know, now they carry Rubes machines, other things like that, because they are trying to appeal to our businesses, which is yep. becoming more commonplace these days, right? Is your car detailing website crashing and burning? Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. You're putting the pedal to the metal, but not seeing the leads you want? Bingo. Keep your detailing website out of the danger zone. Yes, sir. 
Detailers Roadmap is the premier web service for detailers. You need to be doing it better and cleaner than the other guy. Now, what is it with you? We build punchy marketing campaigns and cost-efficient websites for detailers designed to get you leads and generate traffic. Custom-built websites start at just $99 a month. I feel the need, the need for speed. And unlike other developers, we only work with one industry, yours. Stay out of the danger zone. And cruise on over to DetailersRoadmap.com and see how we can push your leads into overdrive. Talk to me, Goose. That's DetailersRoadmap.com. DetailersRoadmap.com. But there's nothing wrong with buying the chemicals on there. Honestly, even the ones that I haven't liked, there was an APC they had I didn't like. Guess what? It ended up being great at cleaning my fucking floors. I found a purpose nice. for it. You know, yeah. it actually works better than half the shit you buy at Lowe's. Well, and, and see, again, my, most, of, most of the stuff that probably comes from Automagic is probably coming from your nice. other, your, well, your, well, and your other favorite, you know, brands oh, yeah. know. because it all comes yeah. from, you know, one plan. Yeah. <laughs> yep. so. yep. but, but the funny thing is, and where my issue lies with this industry, if you haven't realized, it, it's the lies, the perception, and people not being transparent. Yeah. Right. So I won't say it by name. I'm sure some people that know the situation will pick it up, but there's a guy that, you know, used to be a Modesto seller. Now he has his own brand. Um, and he always claims like his chemist developed this product, did this and all this crap and um, how this product's great and all this stuff. And it goes into the graphene game. Right. And well, your product's made by B&B chemicals. And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like, there's so much, if you're going to lie and say my chemist developed it, or I worked with the chemist, you didn't. Right. A chemist regurgitate, and let's say B&B's chemists for the most part are elementary level, is they regurgitated some information, you regurgitated that. Right. At the same time, people forget B&B is owned by a pretty big firm now. Their number one target is sales. They're going to say whatever they can. Right. My whole problem, like what started this whole hatred for me recently in this industry, which I, I really do adore, is um, my tendency to outspeak about graphing. Right. And everybody wants to go over and like, it started off me about fashion companies that layered coatings because, well, nobody can give me a, logic, a logical answer of how you actually layer a coating. Um, you know, no, you just apply a coating, wait 30 minutes, put another layer on. And I think that frustration and annoyance of just stupidity kind of switch over to graphene. And with graphene, it's interesting because you don't even have to do research on graphene to really understand where it actually is in this world. But what makes people think that, you know, graphene is probably one of the coolest substances discovered 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. It has the ability to be a great heat conductor for like electrical copper, things like that. Uh, textile companies working with it, try to, you know, integrate it with fabrics to be better than Kevlar, lighter, stronger, because, um, and I don't remember the exact strength, but it's like, you know, 10 times stronger than the steel or something. I heard it was 200 Ridiculous. times stronger than steel. Okay, yeah, so 200. And, and like one, one, one atom. Yeah, it's, and, but it's, it's, one, it's one single atom. It's capable of doing that. Same yeah. on the heat conductive part of it, right? Right. So think about those type of industries, how many billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars that industry alone has. Yeah. Yet alone, how much one company in that industry probably has in money. 
what makes you think a bunch of petty companies that don't even have a turnover, probably like $10 million, have the ability to research applying graphene into it? And also saying like graphene oxide, putting into a coating, how that's going to work and change it. Because of the fact that it is capable of water spot, you know, the, the claim with graphene is, oh, it prevents against water spots better right. because of its ability to reduce heat, right? Uh, well, that's based off the atom one layer thick. So that means the whole vehicle has right. to be covered it. Throwing pencil shavings onto a fucking coating and throw it on your car doesn't make it more, less objectable to water spots. That's, that's always the problem with our industry. Right. But that's always been my thing is that, is that the fact that the, that it's, it, it doesn't bond together, right? So when when you look at these bottles that sit, the the graphene all sits at the bottom. So you have to yeah. shake it up before you use it to be able to have well, it. Yeah, in- but but here, think about this. You've applied a decent amount of coatings. Yeah. Think about when you put a coating on, right? And, and you're applying it. It doesn't matter what brand it is, right? Some of them go on thin, some of them go on thick. But when you remove the excess product, it's a significant amount. Right. The chances are you're pushing all that pencil shaving off of your car right off the bat. Yeah. And even then you're talking about like, if you're looking at like, let's just blow it up the scale, uh, a 12 by 12 or 12 inches by 12 inches square. Right. Yeah. What if that, you know, okay, so cool. Maybe the graphene oxide left a little bit on there. Maybe it's only one centimeter by one centimeter. You know, how is that protecting your paint? Right. That's, that's the thing I don't get. But, but that's what I go back to the previous. That's yeah. how stupid people are in our industry. And the problem is a company feeds this. Yeah. And people buy into it. And this is where I get into like arguments and people are just like, oh, you're an asshole. And I'm like, well, no, you're just <laughs> stupid and uneducated. Yeah. I'm like, do you want to learn something and do your customers a proper service and not bullshit them? Or do you want to just lie to them to make money? Look, yeah. don't get me wrong. We're all in this business to make money. If you aren't, you're stupid. If you tell me you're passionate about your industry and you don't care about money, get the fuck out of here, right? Because if you're not making money, you can't survive. You can't right. fucking live. Yeah. And to be honest, being passionate about making money and having a good business is also giving a shit about the quality and work in your business too. You know, so these people that tell me years ago, they're just like, oh yeah, you, you only care about money in your business. Fuck you. You know, that that's my answer to them in the short. Right. Um, but it's just like nobody researches this shit, but nor are they able to apply common sense. That's, yeah. I think, the biggest issue where, you know, I, that's in every industry where common sense, I think, in life just lack. Where yeah. People can't even figure out the basic analogies of how this actually works in the real world. You know, it's like the electricity industry is still researching and developing it. And even in Europe and Japan, the graphene market's so much more vast. There's so many more scientists working with it. Put it this way. I've heard this from several sources, including some that I know. If you ask anybody that actually works with graphene, let's, let's take B&B out of this picture, you know, right. which is Adam's product and all that crap. Gra- granted, they make some great chemicals. Yeah. But to market this shit is where I lose every respect for them. If you go to the scientific community that actually works with this stuff on a real world basis and ask them, can you apply this in a ceramic coating? I've now heard this from multiple people in our industry who've actually validated things, which I'm very proud of them. And I've gained some great respect for them for that. And 
we validated ourselves. Can this be applied on a car surface in any way, shape, or form? The simple answer, a lot of these people aren't going to slander anything, is no. Yeah. Why haven't anybody, nobody's bothered to put this information out there? Because all these companies are just pumping this shit out. Now you got graphene tire shine. <laughs> like, I, I might switch to fucking, you know, um, you know, uh, what was that company you were talking about a little bit ago? You buy your chemicals from? Oh, uh, uh, Simonize. Yeah, or, uh, I run at this point because of the integrity of people. I yeah. rather use Simonize product right. than like, Adam's tire shine with graphene in it. Like, holy fuck! And, and I made a post the other day. Next, it's going to be like pumpkin spice graphene infused. Yeah, something you know. So you know, basically, all the white women with graphene on their cars can drink their lattes and be happy. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I think it's, it's, so it's the new buzzword. And, and I think so many coding companies are jumping on it because of FOMO. Um, But that's the thing. It's like a a buzzword is a buzzword, right? Right. But its problem is it's the misinformation. Exactly. Point blank, people are lying, right? So in in our BCO8 Modessa coding, there's a substance that's the same as diamonds, it doesn't make it a fucking diamond coating. Never has, never will. Right. If we were to put on our bottle, Modessa BCO8 diamond coating. No, that's pretty fucking stupid. Actually, it has a really shitty name, which is uh, BCO8 Neo Matrix Silica. That name because we looked at it and we're like, hey, it looks like the Matrix. I don't know if we were on <laughs> drugs that night or something like that. But, um, you know, it, it's it's not a diamond coating. Right. You know, and, and any company that starts going, it's like the whole Moss scale. It's like, oh, it's... Certified 10H, 11H. Do you know how diamonds are made? Does anybody realize how diamonds are made and the immense amount of pressure it takes to yeah. make them? And it's like, okay. Yeah. If you think you're going to exert that force out of your hand to apply it on a car and synthetically. Yeah. Well, good luck. I, I've, I've been very fortunate. So I've, I've been able to, to duck the whole graphene thing because... I just educate my clients. Um, but but whereas, that's what it is. Right. Whereas I've got a, I've got a friend who, who kind of caved to it because he, he was getting so many calls for it. And, you know, and I told him, I was like, dude, why don't you just educate him? And he's like, yeah, but you know, when I do, they still want it. They're going to go somewhere else. I don't want to lose the money. So I'll just put but a he, coating he, on. He, then your friend, and it's no, no, you know, uh, insult to him, but it's, he obviously doesn't care in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he, he caved, and that's that was one of the things that I told him. I was like, dude, you can't. I mean, I've had three or four people, clients that have called me, and, you know, they're like, hey, even if you don't do it, I'll buy it. You just install it. And I'm like, look, if that's what you really want, I'm not going to say no, but it's still going to be the same price. Like, I'm not giving you a deal yeah. because you buy the bottle for $30 on Amazon. But I just want to educate you and let you know this is this. And I mean, I just, you know, I think back to, here's the analogy that I use with ceramics. And, and I was talking with Corey from Sky's the Limit the other day, and he's like, man, that's a brilliant analogy. And I, and I kind of take it from, you know, what I learned from him when I first got into it, you know, and, and he was telling me that, you know, there's basically like, and it could be changed now. I mean, this was seven or eight years ago, um, but at the time, he was like, listen, there's like three manufacturers in the world that make 
the raw goods for ceramic coatings. Everybody buys from them and makes their thing. Um, so when people ask me about coatings, my analogy is, is it's like motor oil, right? Oil comes from the ground, oil comes from one place, and then everybody just sprinkles in their additives to make it whatever. And that's to me. I'm I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah. Because I don't think that's accurate. You don't think by so? Any? No. Okay. So let me hear let me hear your your rebuttal of that because that's I mean and again this is the knowledge that I get from the you know like when you talk now now you got to look at it at a different scale if you're talking okay. about um you know mining for raw goods right yeah yes a lot of it comes from one place right 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 certain rare metals certain things like that but there are hundreds if not thousands of chemical manufacturers. Okay. That manufacture silica dioxide. Right. There are there, there's two in the DC metropolitan area. Now they're not involved in the coating industry, but they manufacture right. it. Right. There's also a few I know in Illinois. Um, there's probably more than handful in Japan, China, Korea, Taiwan, and right. probably a few in Europe. So but I know even, there's a lot of places. Even if there's that. way more manufacturing, it's it's all the same. Right. No, I mean, there, there's different grade qualities of products. Right. Okay. So let's talk about like, uh, and the only best way I can explain this. So Modessa has our BCO4 uh, titanium or uh, nano titanium dioxide coating. Right. Okay. It has titanium dioxide in it. Right. I don't know the exact cost and I'm not going to tell everybody that, but let's put it to scale. So several of the coatings have titanium dioxide in it. Right. Right. Like I said, this isn't accurate to scale. So anybody that wants to quote me on this f off but let's say in our bco4 we have a gram of it it's a hundred dollars yeah that's the type of gram the it, the molecule size of that titanium dioxide is far smaller okay and far more enriched versus what you find in other generic coatings or other brands that i know of it's five dollars a gram so oh, right because they're using a lesser a lesser purity of quality it. yeah but they're but it's there is a vast difference in chemical manufacturing, even in the industry. Okay. Even when you go to like, you know, we have to source chemicals for our Enso line all over the place. We get some from Europe, some from Japan, some from the US. They're all over the place. There are, I don't take the fact that there's three of them. I, I will validate that for myself. I, I, I want to believe that there's actually more, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, it's not three. I, I'm going to, not try to step on toes and start stuff on that one, but I actually want to come back to you at some point with the facts on that yeah. because that one I believe is part of the problem, right? So when you think of it at scale, yes, raw metals come from everywhere, you know, but you also think about where does half this shit come from our coatings? Are you familiar with the cold tree or ever heard of the cold tree? No. Do you know how much of our life, you know, like when you go back to like people like, hey, you got to stop production of coal and all this crap. Uh, do you have access to a laptop right now? Yeah, I'm on one. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't use it right now because we're, have your, we're do recording. You have your, do you have your phone? Yeah. All right. Type on Google. Type in cold tree. C-O-A-L space T-R-E-E. And then just go to images. All right. This is the basic of like how little our industry understands things. Oops. Right? So when you find images of it there might be one that just looks like a sketch right it's like a hand-drawn sketch basically the culture you have coal and then what comes out of it right and then how 
the byproduct of this, it, it's no different yeah. than you go back to standard oil, right? Best example in uh, the late 19th century when uh, Rockefeller was doing standard oil, right? His whole first thing was lighting lamps, right? Right, but right. When the electrical industry and GE, Edison and all of them started pushing electricity, he had to find a way to be lucrative. He took a byproduct out of manufacturing oil and gasoline was there and combustible engines. Voila, you know, standard oil made money even more somehow than what they did before. Yeah. Um, but you look Sephiric at the Sulfuric acid, benzene. Yeah. Xylene, so light you, oil. say that it, it's every things you could never fucking imagine come right, from right. one simple thing. Yeah. Now that process, there might be 50,000 different processes to manufacture and get the byproduct of this or that. Yeah. But this is what, this is a good thing for you to research is like understanding those bits and pieces of information. So yes, maybe there's one place that extracts a certain piece, right? Right, right. But then they sell that raw chemical to a hundred people who manufacture and refine it in a different way or something else. And right, that's, that's the big that's picture kind of, you, but that was the big picture you have to look at. Right. But that was kind of my point. I mean, if it, if it's, if it starts as one thing, but then everybody's putting their piece into it, making it differently or making it different. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I was getting at. So, I mean, it's, you know, using, using oil. I mean, I could use coal, I guess, you know, right. I mean, the, kind of the same thing you were just saying is, is coal starts out at one thing and then, but it can make all these other different things by what they're doing. And that's yeah. kind of how the coding is. So, you know, to me, coatings are coatings are coatings for the most part. I mean, they start I, see, out as. I would disagree with that, right? Because yeah. you have to think about what solvents that are using, right. everything I, else. Right. And I get, I, even to the bottling of products, you look at it as like some of these coating manufacturers, how they bottle their coatings. Yeah. You even think about it on like a scientific level. It's like, why would you do that? Right. right. Well, we all we all drink beer, I think, at this point in our lives, right? If you're not, then you're not working hard enough or you're not an alcoholic. Um, but like think about beer bottles. How often do you see a clear beer bottle? Hardly ever. Yeah. Maybe like soda bottles or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But there's a reason behind it, right? right. Yeah. You know, so it's like Just with coating the light you, out. Yeah, I, I've seen some coating bottles before and they're like crystal clear and you can see through them. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you, you know, know, and Brian Guy told me that a long time ago when I first met him and he was talking to me about Swiss facts, you know, what you were saying about the different percentages, you know, and people ask why Swiss facts is so expensive and because they're using highest percentage, highest qualities yeah. of, of things. So, so again, I mean, you can, you know, kind of like what you're saying with the, with the coatings, there's a reason why some coatings are, hundred dollars well hopefully you know hundred dollars plus a bottle and other coatings on amazon are 35 dollars a bottle you know it, well and you gotta remember it changes the overall quality of the product too right 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 you know it's like um shit a good analogy to look at or comparison is like um you feel like elon musk they uh did something with the cylinder brick i saw the video a couple of years ago like tesla made um some cylinder bricks for like construction uh -huh. And they're like indestructible compared to everything else, right? Okay. Granted, they're all roughly the same leftover junk material, but it's a better quality built to last longer, right? right. And it's no difference in like going to food and like you look at sausage qualities. We've all had different types of hot dogs, things like that. Everybody uses different quality beef, different things yeah. like that. 
it, it ends for better, you know, food's a little bit different because it's an acquired taste for food. But when you're talking about something that isn't tangible and you can't see your eyes until it actually is applied to the car. And let's say a customer just has to have fucking good faith that you actually applied something to their car. Right, right. You know, you have to trust the product behind it. You have to trust the people that are engineering. And I think that's an important part. But that goes back to my whole companies don't educate people. So it's like you're going down this elixir route from like the wild west where it's just like, hey, drink this. It's going to fucking clear up your fucking, you know, <laughs> right. cancer, your herpes, gonocephalitis, and everything else in the world, you know? Right, right. And you're the old, the old snake oil. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then you had the Food Drug Administration that came in and started regulating stuff for everybody. You know, the quality of food because so many people are dying from fucking bad meat and stuff like that or they're using ketchup to mask it up like rotten foods. It, our industry has no regulations. Right. Well, and technically they have certain chemical regulations, which I can tell you most companies don't even oblige by those laws. How many, I, I see every coding company shipping things without hazardous labels yeah. and their commodities and their explosives and stuff like this. And it's like, this is how you know our industry is so stupid. Like it, it's a petty thing to see because everybody's still flying by the seat of their pants. Right. And you know, th there is no regulation. And that's the problem is that's where something like going, touching back all the way to the IDA BS. There has to be some sort of regulation of certain things too. Yeah. Because there is, no, I'm not going after any of the big coding companies. Anybody that's listening to this understands whatever it is, all codings in their own right to great products. Most of them are pretty good. It's always a debate of, oh, my coding's better. or This is better. Stuff right. like that. Right. Yeah. Most of the coatings I'm very familiar with are all pretty good products, right? Um, are some better than others? Probably. Do some suck? Absolutely. There's a few. But, um, you know, there's a bunch of other junk flying out there. there. There's a brand I've heard of recently. I won't even say the name of it. And I did some digging on it. And you can't find anything about it, right? Most of the places don't even label, like, what's in their product. There's no hazardous labels on it. There's nothing. Right. So it's just like, I know the EU has a new regulation that they actually have to put who's manufacturing products and their key components on it. U.S. doesn't as of right now. Oh, wow. Which I just find very interesting. Now, I know that the chemical laws are, are re the regulations are changing very soon. Um which I'm sure a lot of people do things shady. It's just like idiots. And, you know, you live in Florida. You probably deal with this most. People importing cars illegally all yeah. the time. You see all that stuff. Florida's apparently cracking down on it. There's a ton of R34s around here. What are you talking about? Those You can't get those in there? You can't get those they in the states yet? Did you not hear they're cracking down on it pretty hard right now because of what happened with Blackout Motors in Orlando and some other places? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, one, of the, they're one of the big ones that are bringing them in, too. Yeah. Uh, they're gone. How about, how about Ribzu? Flight. Did you hear about the whole Ribzu deal? Yeah, that that guy. <laughs> he, <laughs> he. So one of my good buddies in the car industry actually uh, told me the whole story about them. Like that guy had R thirty three repoed like fifteen years ago, something yeah. like that. That was illegal. And then he begged for help to one of my friends after some bullshit. Told him fuck off. He screwed over a pretty wealthy guy. Oh yeah. Um, and that guy opened that JDM rental car place on Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yep. So he's the one that owns that. But uh, it is just, it's, yeah, Florida, but it's like that loophole in Florida, right? People bring all these gray market value cars in there. 
Um, even with the coding history, yeah, you know, once there is hopefully a proper regulation put in place, um, I'm sure some idiots, they're not going to ship things properly from wherever they get them from in Taiwan, Korea, Asia, yeah. even Japan. They're going to ship them as a normal EMS package. There was rumors of a coding company that did that years ago and the bottle pressurized and popped on the plane. Oh, wow. Not that it was like a major, major issue, but that's a hazmat issue, yeah. right? Yeah. You know how UPS and FedEx handle that. Um, so it's just interesting. A lot of companies don't pay attention to these things. And, um, I think it's all going to catch up to a lot of people soon. Um, but it's just our, our industry, the detailers, I hate to even call them detailers, but business owners don't educate themselves in any way, shape or form. It's what one company tells them and that's it. Yeah. I tell Modest installers, you know, we'll educate you as best we can. What I want you to do is go home and educate yourself on this crap. Right. Which I was actually surprised a lot of people do. And they asked me some questions and I'm like, oh shit, you actually read something. <laughs> but, so, so let me ask you, let me give you some, some time to, cause we've been talking about Modesto, but you haven't really talked about um, Enzo. So yeah. for, for anybody who doesn't know, um, because it's still kind of niche, I think, I mean, I haven't seen it a lot of places other than just, you know, when I see, <laughs> well, you, you let's places. put it this way. No. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Um, so Enzo has been in development for about five years. Okay. We went through a lot of trial phases, testing products. We didn't even have a name when we started this, right? So it was, it's part of Modessa, but it's not, right? Modessa's right. coatings, that's manufactured in a Japanese facility. Enzo's, we actually opened a facility in Europe where Michael Fisco is, and everything's manufactured out in Europe now okay. for Enzo. So we keep them very different, right? It's all owned by the same entity, but it's not, you know... Modessa's professional coatings only. I want to make right. that very clear. That is for our installers. Right. And so it was to develop a product line for car shampoos, things like that. So um, yeah, five years ago, the idea came up, come up with a brand started. And we started some testing development, making some products. Um, there were some epic failures in the process and some very good successes um, at that time. Either way, so me, Michael, and Tomo, uh, we're sitting actually down. I posted a story the other day. We're sitting down at one of those shitty restaurants on Hollywood Boulevard, like, you know, where you can like throw a quarter in that little ice cream thing and see the whole, uh, the Hollywood sign. Right. Yeah. And Michael actually came up with the name and it was Enzo. Right. So it's the Japanese word. It's altered a little bit for our purposes and trademark. Um, and we launched it in Europe in 2019. I believe it was, okay. right? It's 2021. So it launched about six months before it came to the States. And the reason why a lot of people haven't heard of it. So we have two online vendors that sell it, which is Car Supply Warehouse, Jason Otterness, yeah, and uh, Phil at Detailers Domain. Um, I'm kind of let them do it and they're doing well with it. And we have our online stuff and a lot of Modessa guys sell it. If you want to try some, actually I'll send you someone Tuesday or Monday rolls around. Okay. Um, but um. I launched it the day before I got on a plane to go to Japan and then COVID hit. <laughs> so it, it was the worst fucking time to launch a brand. Right. Right. So like, I, I mean, I literally got all the shipments out pallets moved to uh, a fill and a few guys products out. I literally just launched our fucking until USA website. And then I was flying to Japan the next day. And I was already jet lagged because I was in Japan two weeks before for a project. 
We're going uh-huh. to debut it. And we were actually debuting Enzo at Tokyo Auto Salon. So I get on a plane. And the funny thing is everybody I took with me, we're all joking about this whole like COVID shit that was happening in Japan. Nobody in the States even heard about it really then. Right, yeah. We, we get home and fucking COVID's here. And yeah. I was just like, cool. I launched a brand right in the middle of like when the world just shut down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, thankfully, it didn't do bad, actually. It did well. Um, truth be told, though, I, I just, I'll put this as an excuse. I've had a lot of stuff going on the last two years. So I haven't been able to put as much time and resource behind. And so as I'd love to. Right. Um, it's sad to say that I'd be content with where it's at right now. Obviously, we have bigger ambitions with Enso, but at the same time, the market's flooded with stuff. I, yeah. I'm never going to be about moving millions and millions of bottles. It'd be amazing. But, um, you know, the, the line's actually doing pretty well. Oh, um, nice. You know, we've had a few tweaks, some little run-ins here and there, you know, um, shit. The first order, we basically had to have these bottles custom-made. And uh, the first yeah, I think, batch I, I, of them think was, I saw you talk about that on the video with Jason. You guys did. Yep. Yep. And, and well, the one screw up part that happened with it is actually I'll show it to you. I know people on the podcast can't hear it. Yeah. But um, so the company, we actually, because behind me on the wall, I actually have all the original bottles up here. So, yeah. So the company manufactured it. They had these spare caps. So we had these bottles actually made for us with the universal thread on it right so right, yes yeah. i don't even know what the thread pitch on it but most triggers that we all use yeah so the decorative cap they gave us they had these numbers printed on it uh-huh. i don't know what batch numbers are for that wasn't done by us but they have expiration dates oh that aren't for our products <laughs> so for a couple so months, they were, we had a lot they of were just like hey we got some caps over here just throw them in there who cares yeah, yeah, yeah you know the them. product launched in 2020 and they had expiration dates of 2020 Nice. So everybody's all like freaking out. And it's just like, so I had to deal with that whole ordeal. Um, and the fact that we're doing everything ourselves, there are going to be some big learning curves. Yeah. Um, we had to learn how to properly treat plastic bottles so they don't collapse with anything a little bit stronger in it, like wheel cleaners or all-purpose cleaners. Um, we've had a few, like one of the bottles, those ones are all two or three years old now, just kind of delaminated, not delaminated, just kind of crushed up and strong. Okay. Right. But, um, yeah, no, the brand's cool. The products, I love them, man. They're very basic. Um, we did it to be very aesthetically appealing. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, they definitely yeah. have like a, uh, it almost reminds me of like a hair salon type stuff. You know, oh, I mean, no, it's you, like, you want to like, know where the idea actually came from? Sure. So most people aren't going to be able to see this can i flip the camera on this hold on yes so i can show you this okay so these were the original test bottles okay um, going up here so a lot of it actually sat there when we were sitting in um hollywood you know they had boss water bottles oh yeah that yeah i can see it that's where the idea came from so those are solid glass ones that's where the idea kind of came from so then it transpired into this like we played with bottles like this and it's like, eh, it didn't look what we wanted to. When we first kind of right. debuted the product, we had no choice. This is what I mean. You can see the bottle on this one. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we had to learn to properly like fluorine treat the bottles and all that stuff. But yeah, it came from the Voss water bottle idea. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So it, it was just because like most people like, yeah, is Voss water any better? It's not to say Enzo products suck. 
Um, but we wanted it to be appealing because right. yeah, we're not going to aim for every market. We're going for, yes, the little bit of a niche. Um, it is a little bit more expensive and a lot of people complain about that, but if you understand supply and demand in businesses, um, we're our own chemical manufacturer, but we're not the world's biggest. We're far, far, far from it. Right. right? Yeah. It's more expensive for us to produce, you know? Um, no, the products, the are the products, um, RTU or they concentrate to where you can deliver them down? They are ready to use, okay. but in some cases, like our prime use, which is uh, a degreaser, you yeah. can dilute it too. Okay. Um, so like, for instance, you can take the prime use, put it in the player snow foam, which it's going to dilute at that point through like an NTM foam cannon. Yeah. It works really well. Um, but everything else is ready to use. We will okay. do some concentrates eventually, but there's a lot more time and resources that go into it. You know, the first year we didn't even have our 5,000 ml canisters. We were just starting with the 500 ml bottles. Oh, okay. We had to see how products do because if you overproduce too many products and you just right. sit on them, it, you're going to shit waste, the money, especially, yeah. Dur yeah. yeah, especially during COVID, right? Yeah. There was a lot of chemical shortages, things like that, like isopropyl alcohol became oh, yeah. like a global Impossible. shortage. Where, yeah. Yep. And I'm, I remember all the PPF guys freaking out, like, because it couldn't get we, IPA anywhere. <laughs> I, I, I was sneaking it. So some of our Modest installers, when they were placing orders, they were like, hey, we don't have isopropyl alcohol. Well, thankfully, at TLC, we're a little wise up. We buy like four or five uh, five-gallon drums at a time. Gotcha. So I was taking empty Ento bottles, and I was pouring isopropyl alcohol on them for Modesta guys for PPF and stuff yeah. like that or prepping coatings. There was um, a, uh, there was a um, right up the street from my shop, there's a like a performance shop called a uh, real street. They do a lot yep. of, um, super. You know, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, um, somehow they had like five, five gallon and I think like 25 gallon drums of IPA that was like 90% alcohol. I'm not sure what they were using it for, but they were selling it. Um, so one of my buddies, one of my buddies, um, uh, he was like super COVID weird um, with a, like hand sanitizer. Yeah. And so he was like, Hey man, he goes, I don't need a whole five gallon of this stuff, but if I buy it, like, would you, you know, do you need any of it or could you use any of it? So I bought like two gallons off of them just to have, we made some, my daughter made some hand sanitizer out of aloe vera and, and it, you know, to take to school and things like yep. that. And then I kept it around for the shop um so yeah i lucked out there at least yeah a lot of people i remember were like we're like hey we're running out of alcohol one of our guys like yeah i can't get any alcohol i don't know how to prep the car anymore it's like because a lot of our guys like isopropyl alcohol yeah so it's like i, I literally we had gallons and gallons of 99.9 percent uh, nice. i'm not going to be a stingy ass i just gave it to him for free i was like 16 ounce bottles nice. but still yeah that that was interesting and that caused a slight issue during launching our product too, because isopropyl alcohol is a solvent that is sometimes in a lot of our detailing products. Yeah. And uh, the European government seized all isopropyl alcohol at the beginning. Oh, wow. If anybody ever saw that? Um, I know anybody that's from Europe knows how that went. They were, they were paying for it more or less. They weren't seizing it, you yeah. know, like a, uh, but they're know, just buying, buying it all up. Yeah. Yeah. They, they required all of it for all that purposes. And it's right. just like, well, shit, there was a few products we couldn't manufacture almost. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So, so one last thing I kind of want to get into is um, 
your uh, cool little skateboard collection you got back there. So I know, I know. So recently, have you gotten back into skateboarding? Because I know you, yeah. So recently, I, I like would, started putting some decks I, together and stuff. Yeah, that it was interesting. So I've been skating for oh man, over twenty years, and um, you know, about the time I actually started getting into business, I stopped skating more or less. Um, and then I took a nasty injury, which I still haven't ever gotten fixed. I, I um, tore my ACL meniscus and um, in my left knee, never got surgery done. I did that oh, wow. snowboarding and then I, um, I actually have major sciatica issues in my back. So I didn't skate for a while. And it's kind of like one of those things, you know, it is the older you get, the more you miss doing certain things. So I got back yeah. into it and kind of like my free time. So it's, uh, you know, I think back in the day, it's like finding anywhere and everywhere you could skateboard, enjoy yeah. it um but um now it's like wake up on the sunday morning at six o'clock before anybody's there so i'm not that asshole yeah. getting in people's way and go skate <laughs> yeah. for about like maybe 45 minutes to an hour and then like you know catch my breath for 30 minutes um and then do another 10 minutes of skating but um nice. yeah no, i've always collected skateboards it's a weird thing man um i made some odessa skateboards for guys things yeah, like I saw that. that yeah um you know, even like the Aston Martin project we did in Japan, I had a deck made for the Aston Martin we did. Yeah, I saw that one too. That one turned out pretty nice. Yeah, so I did that one for the guy. So a buddy of mine, actually, I have a lot of friends that, you know, I guess let's say when I was younger, my whole ambition was like get into skateboarding, you know, become pro. And then I realized I just I mean, really listen, sucked at it. Yeah, that was, and, that was all of our dreams. I mean, come on. Yep. <laughs> a, few, a few of my friends did. One of my good friends actually... Um, he worked for Element Skateboards. He designed their boards. He skates oh, with nice. Daywong Song all the time. Um, actually, I was out in LA like 10 years ago and I got to skate with him. But uh, yeah, no, skateboarding's always been a big part of my life. So like an idiot throughout years, I collected some rare, rare skateboards. That's awesome, man. And then I started a whole, like, I guess everybody during COVID, you know, got a little bored. So I started assembling skateboards. And what you see in my office, at least, on this video for you, Alex. Yeah. Is hold on. I see you got the KO the KO box up there. So well, so there's piles of boards here. Oh, you got a ripper board, nice. Yeah. So I got all those. I'll walk you through everything. I'll go even downstairs. So piles of skateboards there. This is a local skate shop. I do like a charity giveaway with them once a month. Nice. So like I'll go in and buy a whole cost of a skateboard and let right. them raffle it off. It's a sweet cab so, deck. Yeah, so this one I think was signed by Steve Cavalera. Problem is, I didn't have anything, so it was nice on a black sharpie. But the problem is, like on the phone, you can see it, but yeah. like, me staring at it right now with my Asian eyes, I can't yeah. see it. Um, so, so I've got a, I've got a pair of low cabs that he signed. Oh man, I damn lucky. So <laughs> that's a pretty dope original Tony Hawk from there. Yeah, and that's, a bird, that's a bird. That's a birdhouse. Yeah, so that's yeah. uh like mid nineties. That was around like my era. It's called like the popsicle era. Yeah, Bam yeah, Margera. Pops, yep. Yep. I'll be honest. The only reason I had the Bam Margera one signed is um you know I figure with all the drugs he does, he's gonna die and I can make money on it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and Jamie Thomas is my favorite skateboarder growing up. So, Dude, um, Jamie Thomas is badass. Is, yeah. So he went. His dad went to high school with my dad down in Florida and Alabama. Oh, cool. So I didn't know I had that connection with them, but um, he always sends me some pretty cool stuff though. Nice. um so this was a sample deck he made one of one you know chad muska stuff yeah there's you can see all the stuff up there because yeah. i have all the dirty ghetto kid decks there then i have 
all the original hookups decks from the 90s. Wow. Just, I mean, collections and collections. And then uh, I had to have the Iron Maiden decks. Yeah. And then I'll actually go downstairs and show you some really cool so, stuff since you're so into that. So once, once a long time upon ago, <clears throat> in a different uh, life, I uh, started a, um, a skate shop. And uh, oh. so, you know, I, oh. I, so this was, this was like, oh man, you got the, you got the good ones there. Um, so these aren't reissues. These are originals. Really? There was four sets of these made. I found out from the eighties. Wow. Took me 10 years to put them. And I found out there's only one other guy that has that collection and he sold it. Jeez. That's worth a pretty, 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 a pretty penny. Uh, found out forty thousand is what he sold it for. Wow! And then, well, this is where it gets worse, by the way, dude. So <laughs> more there, and then nice. I mean, piles of them. Yeah, that that's my bad habit right now. So yeah. So so, who's your favorite? Uh, who's your favorite brand, or what's your favorite brand? Uh, you know, it's funny. Like growing up in the '90s, like skateboarding. Um, I think Foundation. Okay. And zero were my favorite. Um, I think some of my first boards were actually like Alien Workshop Plan B. Um, most of like the Popsicle Air skateboards is what yeah. I did. So yeah. I think at like my one of my favorite brands, and they kind of got away from that era was Black Label. Yeah. Mike Bialy. He was one of my favorite skaters too. Um, yeah, but I would say at the most, at the heart of it, Zero was one of my favorite boards out there. Nice. So, yeah, I've got um, I've still got a pretty decent collection. I've got a um, I've got a Ray Barbie signed uh, reissue. Oh, I wish it was a that's... real one, but it's a it's a reissue of his Ragdoll with the cards. Okay. Yep. Um, because because I I had that board when it first came out, and that, he was one of my favorites. Um. I've got a uh, um, Skate Mafia Asakura deck. Oh, yeah. So I, I didn't know much about Skate Mafia, and then I realized one of the shorty skateboard writers, Brendan Turner, went to them. Yeah. So I, I didn't know. I don't know much about the newer brands in the last. Uh... I've got um, I've got one of. Um... Oh, shoot. His name's drawing a blank right now for me from Skate Mafia. He was the Asian kid. Um Todd Nguyen? No. Um, dang it. I'll have to, I'll have to look it, I'll have to look it up and he's, I'm drawing a blank right now, but I'll have to show you. Um, but I've got actually one of his used decks. Um, I, I was ordering um, decks from Skate Mafia at the time and, okay. and, uh, and they were like, Hey, um, you, you want to use deck? And I was like, yeah, whatever. And they slowly sent me his used deck. I've got That's a, um, go. I've got a signed Manny Think Deck. Um, oh when, God, when, man! I haven't seen that company in yeah, probably Manny, twenty years. Yeah, when Manny was with Think, um, yep. I got a I got a signed deck from him. Um, I've got a foundation board that's um, we got uh, Corey Duffel and okay. Oh man, who's the other guy? Um, man, I'm drawing a blank on everything right now. Um, they were here for uh, Surf Expo, like way okay. back, way back in, in 2008 or something like that. So I got Corey Duffel and uh, Gare Star. Gare, uh, damn, I forget. 
Um, but yeah, we got him to sign deck. Um, and then I've got the whole girl Hello Kitty collection. Oh, you, you know, it's funny. I try to buy one of those yeah. um, online. Those things sell for a lot of money for a deck like that's not that old. Yeah, yeah, really? Because uh, I haven't seen any of them going for, for much, it seems like. I mean, I've got, so I've got like the three Mike Carroll Hello Kitties, but then I've got like when they did the whole um, uh, Sorrow collection for yep. all the all the skaters. So I've got, I've got like the, God, I don't know how many decks it is, like 16. There's some Facebook, the only Facebook groups I'm in that are, <laughs> because I'm not in detailing, business yeah. groups and stuff like that <laughs> it's skateboarding groups um some right. of those sell for there's some that have sold for like three or four thousand for the whole set wow really yeah Good. so you know keep holding on to it then yeah i was like this one that i have up here this guy got i overpaid for this one it was one of my favorites because it was a sample deck so uh -huh. it was hand screen oh nice um i think i overpaid for this one way too much but like some of the decks like the original popsicle era ones now yeah. are selling for yeah thousands of dollars oh, like yeah. the tony I mean, hawk one i probably i haven't seen one of these come up but the only issue is has that blemish oh, right okay. there but it's an all original hand screen deck too wow so like all the 90 ones you remember all hand screen yeah. yeah um they're some of them are selling for quite a bit oh I'm yeah holding on to that one because i think one sold for like three thousand bucks for that one i had a even a reissue pal i had um, it was a Steve Caballero, so it was the same one as, funny enough, it was the same one as this one. Yeah. It was a pink one. Some guy goes onto a fucking group and it's like, hey, anybody have this? You know, I, you know, they, they did a reissue in 2010. There was only X amount made. And I was like, well, I don't really care for that deck. It wasn't my, like, I just found it on actually Amazon randomly okay. like four years ago. So I bought it for like $120. Yeah. And in this group, the guy's like, I'll give you $4,000 for it. I was like, sold. <laughs> I was like, I have no fucking attachment to this. So I was like, take it. Apparently wow. they're stupid rare now. And people are like, I guess when they reissue it on the top, they're putting date stamps on them now. Yeah. So people want that first year reissue. And I'm like, oh, okay. if you're stupid enough to pay $4,000 for it, I'll let it fucking go. I'm not attached. To it. <laughs> yeah. I'm never attached to anything at that point. I might, I might have to go on some of these skate groups and look at some of the decks that I've got. I mean, I've got... Before I mean, you some, do that, if you want to sell them, send them to me first. I'll buy some, them. Some of them, some of them are so like a couple of the autographed ones are a little hard because they're they're autographed to my shop. Um, mm -hmm. So my shop was called Ghost Skate, so that you know it's like two Ghost Skate, you know. Yeah, but the fact if if you want to let them go, yeah, the fact that I know you, I'll buy them. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, no, seriously, if you never want them, dude, as you've yeah. seen this, I think there's over 200 something boards in my yeah. fucking house. I mean, I, um, I hate to get rid of them. I like to keep them because they're they're cool to look at. But, you know, sometimes the wife is like they're taking up space. Get them get them out of here. Um, stand actually, your ground on that one. Yeah. yeah. Hang, <laughs> hang on. Hang on one second. Actually. Oh, no, never mind. I thought we. I thought we still had some in here, but I, I took them all out. They're all out. That's, that's pretty dope that you had the skate shop. Like part of my, um, one of my biggest goals in life is like, I'm always going to want to do what I do in this industry. I do right. love the automotive industry and I do love the detailing industry. I just feel like it needs to grow up. Yeah. I've always said, cause my first job was at a coffee shop and I love coffee. It was a cool thing. I got to actually work at a coffee shop. They roasted their own coffee beans. They flavored everything. Oh, nice. 
I've always wanted to open a coffee shop slash skate shop with a skate park. Nice. That's actually been one of my biggest things. I wish I could do it in this area, except for real estate is insane here. It's um, kind of a weird combo because I don't see a lot of skaters drinking coffee and I don't see a lot of people. Oh, I, I, see, the, the coffee skater. shop would be solely for like the morning commute people. Whatever. Right, right, yeah. Um, you know, skateboarding just gotten so big in this world, especially after being it in has. the Olympics. Yeah. Um, you know, it's finally getting a lot of people like, of my generation hated the fact that it's in the Olympics. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you got to be proud for the fact of what it's become. Exactly. Um, I mean, realistically, you know, comp competitions have become, you know, street. But, but the problem is what people, anyways, so. Yeah. But what people forget is like skateboarding is still going to be expression of yourself. Right. Always has been, always will. Right. But it's nice that people can actually make a living on it now and a very good living if you're actually oh, yeah. really good at it. You know, Nigel Houston, that kid's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but like, I, I've always, you know, I, I want to get TLC with Dave to where we're happy and satisfied. I don't think him and I will ever be content. Right. But I've always wanted to either a open a small boutique shop and just take on one fun project because I still like getting my hands involved in things. Right. Yeah. Even though I sit in a different position in this industry now about, you know, trying to educate and the manufacturing side, I still do PPF work. I still yeah. sort of pick up a polisher here and there. Grand, I don't think I have the patience to pick up a polisher for more than like 30 minutes anymore um, right, right. but i actually kind of wanted to do like a small off location boutique shop one car every two weeks yeah. that's it like one of those ones where i get to wake up at 10 o'clock have a cup of coffee and go do that and then my other ambition actually and goal is to um do the skate shop coffee shop but then the first things first which uh, you know i'll say here a lot of people know um i'm probably going to be opening a shop in japan whenever we figure out this COVID shit. Oh, cool. Um, you know, unfortunately, nobody's allowed to even travel to Japan. So that's been a big goal of mine. As you know, I go to Japan. I grew yeah. up there. Yeah, you go, I you go there a lot, don't you? Yeah. I mean, yep. Seem, seems like every couple of weeks you're like flying over there or whatever. <laughs> or maybe it's, it's just a, <laughs> just it, It's, it's quite often. It, it's very quite often at yeah. certain points. Um, are, you, are you from Japan or so just I, Japanese heritage? No. So I'm Korean. Okay. My, my family lives in Taiwan, and I was raised in Japan. Oh, okay. It's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but I, I've always been fascinated with Japanese culture. Right. Um, society, discipline, and the ability to actually educate themselves, like, unlike our industry. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I, I made some very good connections out there in the last several years, and I have some really good resources. And they've been pushed me to open a business out there. So the problem is like getting to the part where I love being so in touch with the Modesta installers, right? You know, they've all become good friends of mine. Um, so I always will want to retain a certain part of that and making sure I oversight everything. Cause I don't want people ever to think that I'm jumping ship and abandoning them. Right. Yeah. Um, so the good part is because of COVID, I haven't been able to fully pursue it yet. You know, the guys in Japan I'm working with are still pushing it. They're doing their parts, but everything's on an indefinite hold because right. U.S. citizens haven't even been able to travel to Japan since uh, April, first week of April in 2020. Okay. So I haven't been able to go over there to do anything. Um, so it's given me some time to kind of start securing everything I needed to for it. 
but also putting in place things I need to to make sure the Modessa network is taken care of. And the reality the truth is I'm probably going to be bouncing back and forth a lot between yeah. them. Um, one thing I'm very key is like Modessa, as much as, you know, as an owner of my position, I shouldn't be doing trainings technically. I've done more coatings than anybody else in the Modessa thing. Um, I know it better than anybody else. I want to make sure our installers learn. So I'm always going to be doing the trainings. I will have somebody helping me with the trainings eventually. Um, but I want to make sure everybody receives the same training education and information that everybody else in the network gets. So even as we're growing and I'm in Japan with that shop, I'm still going to be doing all the stuff here. So right. I'm probably going to be balancing between there and there every, every couple of weeks. And so Modesta, Modesta is pretty small network of installers right now. Right. I mean, I think you told me there's only like 60 something. So that installers. was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We're at 86 so. right now. Oh, okay. Yep. So, but, but that's still small compared to oh, yeah. oh, just it, about it, any other brand yeah, out there. That, that's why I love it when I kind of see other companies online, the most exclusive coding in the United States. I'm like, <laughs> uh, you motherfuckers have no idea how small we are, but it's, but I love it because, you know, I know every single installer in our network and I touch base with all of them right. on a regular basis. Um, we don't want, Modessa is going to grow in its own right. Yeah. Modessa was never going to be that brand that came into the States. That's going to have 200, 300, 400, 500 installers. Don't get me wrong. If certain demographics open that maybe there, there's been some demographics in the United States that open that I never fathomed that there would be an installer. Right. Um, you know, with those territories, maybe we might hit 150. Um, but I want it to stay scaled and manageable. I don't think it ever needs to hit that amount of people because, well, guess what we do? Hand bottle every single product. So that wow. means there's, you know, when, when I place my orders for the United States, you know, that order is then created in Japan. Now there are some products sometimes they have sitting on a shelf for a few days because they won't do everything just one bottle at a time, but maybe in right, a batch right. of 10 yeah. or stuff like that. So everything is basically made to order and it is mixed, bottled, and then shipped. So if I place an order, it's not like, you know, some companies where it's like, oh yeah, we'll just, you know, done, out the door, right, right. ready to yeah. go. Yeah. So it, it takes a process. There's a lot more inventory management to deal with it because of that. Yeah. Because, because especially like, as because a, again, like you said, it's not like you could order it today and then it's put in a container tomorrow and shipped. You yep. have that that time yep. that it takes to bottle it and and, and it's it's been interesting the last couple of years and anybody else that's on the manufacturing side and logistics industry is probably struggling with it too. Logistics have been absolutely yeah. horrible this year. Um you know, I had to actually go to the fucking airport because we ship stuff through uh, proper channels because they're hazardous materials, right? So yeah. there has to be certain uh, like class three flammable liquid, stuff like that. I literally had to go uh, drive to the damn airport to go pick up a pallet worth of products and a damn Kia Stinger that they couldn't fit in <laughs> and do like 15 trips because they couldn't find a driver to deliver it to my shop. Yeah, dude, that's a... That's that's not just that issue. My my wife was talking. It's the whole. It's everything. Everything's yeah, it's, screwed yeah. right now, man. My my wife was talking with um one of the moms at cheerleading, and um I guess her husband does something kind of big up for Publix. 
um, which down here is like a major grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know yep. if you guys have Publix up there. Um, but she was saying that that the reason why a lot of the shelves are empty in grocery stores right now is because so workers in the warehouse don't want to wear masks so they don't come to work and then they can't get truck drivers to come pick up they're like everything's sitting in a warehouse we just can't yeah. get workers to wear a mask yeah to put it on a yeah. truck to get a truck driver to drive it to the store to put it on the shelves well it's like you have right now the whole you know you had the whole suit canal impact yeah. um earlier this year those impacts are going to be felt in the logistics side of the industry for quite some time yeah you have this backup of goods right now in Off Long the coast Beach, of California. Yeah, yeah. With like, I think at one point it was only like thirty, and everybody's freaking out. Now it's like seventy or eighty container ships sitting out there. Yeah. But then you also had air transportation issues at the beginning of COVID because people forget is when commercial flights are going back and forth between Europe here and Asia, that base the belly of that plane is full of cargo. Yeah. And when they cut down flights, lead times change dramatically. Right. They suspended EMS shipment from Japan, for instance, and postage from China, which then gets handed off to the U.S. Postal System. And then the U.S. Postal System being as garbage as it is already, people weren't seeing packages for two to three months. Oh, yeah. Um, and FedEx has screwed up lead times right now, UPS. Yeah. Um, but yeah, logistics are... I know DHL... Industry. Yeah, I know DHL was not doing a lot of stuff because I had ordered uh, some film from well, Stack. And Let's be real. DHL never really did shit. Yeah, in the States. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be on every time <laughs> DHL ships something to Washington, D.C. Their DHL shipping location is in D.C. I'm 45 yeah. minutes from there. Uh -huh. There's four UPS um, shipping hubs between here and D.C. There's one DHL thing and they've lost every shipment I've had. <laughs> I was like in Europe, everything I've heard about DHL is amazing. And the states dhl yeah. is it's a Garbage. fucking joke yeah yeah <laughs> sad part is amazon's more reliable than all the freaking um uh shipping companies right now yeah. that's the really sad part i know i know well listen man i mean uh i appreciate you doing this um yeah so i kind of want to do one thing um because i kind of i kind of do it with everybody let me uh I got a new phone, so let me make sure everything popped up. Okay, so yep. so what I do is I do I do this thing called favorites, um, okay. where I kind of ask you some of your like favorite whatever. Um, and the okay. reason why the reason why I started doing that was because especially with this podcast, um, I get a lot of people that'll reach out to me and be like, "Hey, Alex, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that?" Um, yep. So so this is kind of my way of everybody who comes on can kind of tell everybody who's listening their favorite, whatever, a reason why. And then that way it gives that person, the, the listener, either if they're considering it, they get, you know, some information, yeah, some feedback and reinforcements. Right, right, right. So, yep. I mean, we can go through these kind of quickly and, 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 yeah. you know, be biased or unbiased as much as you want. Um, okay. First one, first one, uh, what's your favorite compound? Oh God. Um, well, the fact that I haven't actually really compounded a car in quite some time, that's going to be a but going, but going back. Yeah. Maybe. Going so it, back. it has to be one, it has to be one specific or can it be, I mean, it could be a, it could be a couple. Okay. Yeah. I, I will say I do. My favorite has always been Meguiar's compounds. One, okay. 100, 101, 105. Right. Um, 
Pro Speed 100, just because it's cheap, it cuts. Anything that dusts, I love. You know, yeah. because if it's not dusting, it's not cutting. I hated this shit back <laughs> in the day. It's like zero dust. I was like, and it just gums up everything. Uh, other than that, I actually do love O'Burke's compound. Um, yeah, you know, stuff. and that's uh, obviously I'll say that because David Patterson's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I love his line. It works very well and it's simple. Our guys at our shop love it. Um, so at a compound, I would say dead even if yeah. I had to pick it up. I actually think I did my car with uh, O'Burke's compound. I love it. So, and I did polish my own car, but you know, by polishing it, I mean, I half-assed it very much. (laughs) So as as most of us do with our own vehicles. Oh, no, I I think I got like 30 minutes into it and I was done. I was like, Matt, screw this. (laughs) I just use it to clean the paint, to be honest, is all I did. Yeah. Um, How about a polish? Do you have a favorite polish? Man, back in the day, it was Manzerna. Um, SF4,4500 were my favorite for a while. Okay. Um. And then the first time I actually picked up polishes recently, I hate to say it, the only one we have in our shop is the O'Burke polish. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's the extent of my polish knowledge these days. <laughs> but I will say, like, in Universal, like, what I do love is 205. Okay. I will say 205 is probably still one of my favorite polish to this day. And it's sad to say, I, I know... Aaron's probably going to disagree with me. I'm going to get a call from Noxie and get yelled at here in a bit. I don't, um, I don't think he listens to the podcast, so you're okay. Uh, good. Aaron, if, if you're listening, fuck you. Um, <laughs> I still think, like, 205 to me is one of the most universal, best, cost-effective polishers out there that if you learn to cycle it right, yeah, it can do a lot of damn good work and finishing abilities. Nice. So I, I would say, hands down, 205 is still my favorite polish. Okay. How about a cut pad? Do you prefer like foam, microfiber, wool? And then if so, do you have a favorite of? Uh, Lake Country Purple Foam was wool was my favorite. Um, if Meguiar's, I haven't used Meguiar microfiber pads since they had their issues of them just delaminating left and yeah. right. Those were my favorite for the short while, their microfiber cutting and finishes. Um, we're using the O'Burke ones at the shop now. I love those ones. Those uh, we did Lake Center before. Yeah, yeah, I love them um foam pads uh actually i thought i had one here no i don't i love our modessa finishing pads to be honest um but uh as far as foam pads i actually do like lake country and oberks so those are still my two favorite what what about a polish pad do you have any preference uh as far as like so getting technical like what type of finish are we talking about like a like a finishing polish pad like a jeweling type i mean and, and i mean those are kind of all the same i guess you know these little ones right here okay little well they, we have them in five yeah no they're oh, they they look oh, the modessa yeah yeah i had another bigger one here i actually love those pads they feel like okay. a fucking like memory foam oh nice um they're nice they're, they're they work better on a rotary um okay like the Festools, they worked awesome finishing down paint on the low RPM when you can get a rotor down below a thousand RPMs. Nice. They're awesome. How about um how about a towel? You got a favorite towel do you do you like using? Yeah, actually I'll say point blank. It's um they're four hundred and seventy GSM counts. Uh the ones from Ian over at Auto Fiber or SDI okay. wholesale. Yeah. The Korean Ultra Fluff ones. I think universally, hands down, they are the best towels. They're great for compound, polishing, any exterior work of the car, and 
coatings. Nice. Um, towel wise for windows, I'm still a fan of your standard waffle weaves. Yeah, I am too. And yeah, it, it, I've tried so many different ones. Like people had the suede, all that shit, and they just don't work as well. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, for interiors, the cheapest short nap fucking yeah. towels you can <laughs> exactly. get. Like, so so I have I have to ask you because there seems to be a running theme with kind of the and I'll put you kind of in that older generation of detailing because you kind of came up in it a little bit earlier than most of the rest of us. Um, are you a Costco towel fan? No. No? Oh, okay. No. You know most, why? Because that of, yellow bleeds. Most of the old guys love the Costco. <laughs> so I, I, at one point I liked them from interiors, except for they bleed the yellow dye. Yeah. And that I, I had that happen on a fucking PPF job like six years ago. I, I was using it to prep edges on PPF and right. it had alcohol in it, which obviously is going to make shit bleed from the right. solvent. Yep. And it stained the PPF. Oh. Because I let it sit on there for a couple hours. And I think it happened a couple of years ago too. And I was just like, I fucking hate these things. <laughs> At that point of like what they cost, you can buy, like if you're buying from like SDI Wholesale or ENN Auto Fiber, yeah. you can get better quality ones. Like these are the ones I think I get, ironically, I have but they don't bleed off and anything yeah. and they're just as cheap. Yeah. Ian, um, Ian does some good stuff. We had him on the podcast a while back and talked about microfiber and how it's made and all that fun. Learned, learned a lot. It, it was, it was his good. family's been in that industry for long a time. long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Um, so how about sealants? And, and when I say sealant, it's kind of very broad term. So it can be coating, SiO2, silica spray, a wax, whatever. So, so obviously, my favorite coating is Modessa. Um, right. No how, about, how about do you have a favorite coating in the Modessa line? Because you guys make a bunch. Yeah, so th that's a weird question. It depends on the situation, but my favorite universally is BCO4 because scientifically it's so much different than every other coating on the market. Um, and it's hydrophilic, which, you know, for all the people that think, it's supposed to be hydrophilic or yeah. hydrophobic. Go read yeah. a book. Right. Um, so BCO4, I think, is my favorite hands down at the moment. Okay. And has been for years. Okay. And then, and then this one is cleaners, but it's kind of like lumped into like your APC, your glass, your interior, your wheel. No, oh, crap. That's a... Because I was told to take that one out. But most people, yeah, but, but most you, people kind of still... like it because most people actually use can use one product for all of it. I mean, yeah, you... no, I I did it back in the day. I used to use you know shitty O and R for everything, and I think I use O and R just as like an air freshener now. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, for like the greaser specifically, I love my Arento Prime use. That was my favorite product. Anticipation of releasing from testing to showing everybody it. As far as the greaser, that is my favorite. Right. Um, for cleaning windows, I haven't cleaned windows in probably <laughs> God five years. Um, so you're, you're like I, you're like me probably if they're not streaked up. No I, and I'm clean point blank. Anybody wants to hate me for it, I'll say I fucking suck at cleaning windows. Yeah, I, I do fucking, too. I suck at it because I hate doing them. Yep. Um, how I wash my windows is what I have my drying towel. Like I use the dreadnoughts from Ian. Yeah. When they're wet with water. I'll use them to scrub them down and take a dry one to clean it. That's right. my window cleaning. <laughs> Fucking water. If you keep it clean, it's probably it's the first. It's probably the best way to do it too. It works unless you're half-ass like me and you do it in the sunlight and then you get dry streaks on your window yeah. and you're like, ah, <laughs> screw it, whatever. 
So I'm sitting down the road doing this in my windshield to like clean it off. Right, right, um, right. But I think most general waterless washes are pretty good universally yeah. for all those things if they're not over concentrated. Right. Um, so I would say in general, just like any good fucking quick detailer out there that can be mixed, diluted. And God, I'm going to say one probably like anything B&B mix that's green. That's okay. a quick detailer that's dilutable. <laughs> okay. Works great all around from just wiping shit down. How about uh, how about your favorite machine? And this doesn't have to be like a brand. It could be a specific like tool, you know, whether it's like some guys are like, you know, the, the 15 Bigfoot or some guys are the 3401. Or, mine would be the Mark II 15 Rubes. That's mine too. That's why I got two. That, I, yeah, I, I think that is my favorite machine hands down because I've played with the Mark threes here and there. I like yeah. them. Don't get me wrong. I just haven't had enough time behind it that I can be opinionated on it yet. I don't think, but uh, the Mark two was my favorite hands down. It was a good universal machine that can do everything you need to. Yeah. Um, you know, other than that, I think it was the Festool was my favorite rotary, okay. but um, you know, everything this day and age, DAs, lazy people's job. So yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the Mark II 15, I think, is hands down my favorite machine of all time. Right. And the uh, <clears throat> last and most important one is uh, what's your, or who's your favorite, uh, me or Noxie? Ooh. <laughs> that one's hard. I'm, I'm not going to say Noxie. But he's not listening to this, right? I, I don't know. I, uh, I, on I honestly don't know. He... He doesn't uh, actually no, I'm gonna cut both of you at it. His business okay. partner, Woo. His business partner, Woo. <laughs> Woo is yeah, he's Woo my is, favorite. Woo is the best. Woo is my favorite because he's Asian, so I'm going against the yeah. white people on this one. Um, um Noxie <laughs> Noxie gives me some feedback sometimes to make me think he listens, but he doesn't ever tell me that he listens. So I don't know. If he does, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I'm sure he's gonna listen to this one because it's you. <laughs> <laughs> now you know you know it's funny I, I don't like favorites man i'll, I'll say i we got to meet in person what three yeah. years ago at mte um God, was it I've got to ago, two years ago or something like that I don't it know. was almost it wasn't 2020 so 21 it's gonna be yeah, 2022 no, this year yeah well it was 2020 because it was the last one so 2020 so it's only been a year, year oh yeah it's right when i got back from japan then yeah yeah, because you were talking, you were talking with Brian, and I came, I yeah, came it, up it's with, almost, with. It'll Tony. be two years. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like it's been like twenty months. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So like you know, I've gotten to know Aaron way, way better since then. Yeah, talk to him on a regular basis. And my, my whole thing, I think both you're incredible people. Um, but I'm gonna say you just to piss off Noxie a hundred percent. Nobody fine. can know my whole feelings. It works, but <laughs> I, I, I want to see when this goes live if I get cussed out here, um, or if well, I get a nasty text message. So, well, it'll drop Sunday, Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. So I guess by sometime midday Monday when majority of the people listen to it. Maybe I'm not going to the office on Monday, so <laughs> maybe, Aaron can't maybe, get a hold of me Monday. Listen, maybe, maybe you'll uh, have a bunch of text messages or maybe you'll have a bunch of people asking how do they get a hold of Modesta um and then that yeah, leads us that i told you I, I told you i'd keep it i told you i'd keep it pg yeah as much as i could listen it listen it's like i told you man i mean if people don't want to hear 
that stuff, you know, turn the podcast off. I don't care. It doesn't yeah. hurt my feelings. Well, I mean, it's, it's my thing, but it's, it's what you said. The guys like David Fermani, all those guys, they learned their craft. They learned the information about it. And what exactly. I will tell everybody in this industry that will fucking listen, don't listen to what a company fucking tells you and just learn right. from outside sources that are not involved in our industry, man. It's just yeah. like, it's, I think it's the only way this industry is going to progress and move forward. So sorry yeah. to interrupt there. No, 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 you're, you're my... fine. I mean, I, listen, it's, it's, it's hard, right? I mean, that's the thing in this industry, I think, is everybody wants to be PC. Well, you don't you want to you see wanna... why I'm so keen about it. I won't show the label on this. Uh-huh. I want to see why, well, you can almost see, well, you can see it. Nobody yeah, can see this video. Yeah. Look at what this coating bottle did on its own, nice. unopened. Like, Tell me how somebody's going to sell you something like that and it for it to fucking do that. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's, that's crazy to be honest that that made it here somehow, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It is what it is, man. I mean, listen, you know, <clears throat> maybe I'll get more views because people will be like, oh my God, did you hear what John produced on the podcast? <laughs> like, Oh, if it's anything like last week stuff, it's like the the amount of there was actually uh uh somebody should it's, oh man I forgot what the fuck they said it was deleted but basically like I was threatened a few times which was kind of fun yeah. um so I love it when people resort to violence in this industry it's like oh you don't know what you're talking about I should fucking kill you or something stupid I'm like holy shit chill yeah. out dude I'm like you guys think I'm actually like aggravated I'm like no 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 yeah I'm just having fun right now. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, but yeah, well, man. So if anybody would like to reach out to you and maybe see if they are worthy of Modesta or if maybe they want to get more information, you know, and, and learn a little bit about codings and things like that, what's the best way for anybody to reach you? Facebook? Instagram, I would say uh, send me an email to John, J O H N, at the driven network dot com and that's with two n so it's t h e d r i v e n n e t w o r k dot com gotcha so um yeah just send an email to that um i'm pretty slow at responding to emails if it's not one of our active clients or installers so i will apologize right but yeah if anybody has questions or inquiries there um just direct them to me at directly at that email and you know awesome. i'll be more than happy to talk to anybody as you know about stuff yeah (laughs) yeah well listen man i i appreciate you doing this for me um yeah man i i I had a lot of fun i learned a lot more about you than than kind of what i already know and again that's that's the whole purpose of this podcast cool it's just to get to know people and you know it's cool to see your your skate collection i'll have to uh shoot you some pictures of some of the the cool ones that i have and uh but yeah man you have a you have a good rest of your night man and um we'll talk soon All right. Appreciate it, Alex. Thank you for having me on. All right, man. Take care. Bye.